0: All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We've got another fantastic show lined up for you today we're bringing on Sonia Looney who's a professional mountain biker she's actually a world champion so she's got a very interesting story she's got all kinds of tips and cool stories coming up she actually got into mountain biking by just trying it one day she tried she tried a race and she fell in love with it and it's a very cool story then and, and I think it's so amazing how sometimes we step outside of our comfort zone try new things and we find a new passion for life a new zest for life so I I can't wait to share her story with you. She's also into plant-based nutrition. She has her own podcast, and she's a speaker as well. So she's got all kinds of valuable information to share with us today. So sit back and enjoy. We got all that coming up.
1: On... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia.
0: All right, welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. You heard all about Sonia in the introduction. So without further ado, thanks for joining me today, Sonia.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So you got all kinds of things going on. I don't even know where to start, but it seems like everything you're doing is super cool. So I'm super excited to get into details and to have you on the show. So thank you for being here. Start with yourself and what you're doing and how you got into what you do and give our listeners a chance to resonate with you a bit. And then we'll get into more details.
1: I'm an ultra endurance pro mountain biker and I do multi-day races around the world. So seven to 10 day mountain bike races across a country or a state or a region, almost all on dirt or trail. So that's been a really cool way to see the world. And I've raced in over 20 countries. I'm the 24 hour world champion. So that means that I race my mountain bike for 24 hours straight without stopping. um, And I was the fastest in that discipline. Um that's pretty pretty intense. And I also am a speaker. I have my own podcast. I write for several magazines and I manage myself as an athlete. So I definitely keep pretty busy.
0: Is there anything that you don't do?
1: Uh I don't play golf. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I don't sit still.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have some issues sitting still. <laughs> that's right I
1: need to get more Zen
0: <laughs> so how did you get into mountain biking
1: you know most people think that I've been doing it my whole life but I grew up playing music I was in the band and I, I played tennis and I wanted to be a pro tennis player when I grew up but in high school I wasn't super confident in myself and I started running my senior year of high school and by the end of that I decided that I wanted to run a marathon so at 18 I ran my first marathon And I wasn't a cyclist, but I kept getting injured as a runner because I didn't know how to train. So I started going to spin class at the gym for cross training. And some guys from my work invited me to go mountain biking. And three weeks later, I signed up for my first race, fell in love with it, and went all in.
0: (laughs) And you never looked back.
1: That's right. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I mean, whenever you make a decision to try something new... It could not do anything or it could completely change the the trajectory of your life and switching to mountain biking and just trying that sport and I didn't even know it was a sport. It completely changed my life and it sent me off into the world in a way that I I didn't imagine would happen.
0: I know it's so crazy how one little thing like one decision or trying one thing could change the whole outcome of your life. I think that it's important to try those things and do different things in your life because you have those types of people that never want to try anything new. They never want to step outside their comfort zone. And I always think to myself that I feel like they're missing out on life because I mean you, for example, you wouldn't be a professional mountain biker right now if you didn't just give it a try.
1: Right. And all of your guests that you've had, I mean, they, they wouldn't have achieved the things in their life if they hadn't have decided to try first. And I think people are afraid to try because they're afraid to fail And to me, failing is not trying.
0: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. There's really no failure as long as you give it a try and see how it works out. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then move on and try something else. Tell me some details about professional mountain biking. Give me like what what does this actually entail? Walk us through some steps of signing up to an event or how do you get to be a professional mountain biker yeah
1: that's that's an awesome question um mountain biking isn't it's becoming more mainstream but it's it's typically not what people would think of when they think of mainstream sports mountain biking is considered an extreme sport so basically you there's there's different federations around the world and you get started by going to a race and you buy a cycling license and there's tons of races that don't require a license as well But basically, you sign up and you start in the beginner category, and then you have to get a certain number of results in the beginner category so you can apply to step up to the next category, which would be like an intermediate category. And then at the intermediate category, once you win a certain number of races in the intermediate category, then you can upgrade to the expert category. And then to the pro category. So it's based on results.
0: Let me stop you there. I want to understand this. (laughs) So when you say you have to get a certain type of results, do you mean you have to win? Do you have to win like five races to get to the next level?
1: I I don't know what the current requirements are because it's been a while since I've had to go through that. But yeah, when I was doing it, you had to win a certain number of results or win a certain number of races at the national level. And then you can get upgraded.
0: Okay, so after you win a certain number of whatever that number is, then you can move up. So you start at beginner, intermediate, and then there's what, advanced?
1: Expert and then pro.
0: Okay, so and how long did it take you to move up the ranks to get through to pro?
1: Uh, I moved up pretty quick, like two years. (laughs) So I I think it's because I had the background in running endurance as well, and that really translated over to mountain biking.
0: Okay, now professional. What? Tell me. Explain to me the professional level as opposed to beginner, or intermediate. What's the difference?
1: So the courses are longer, and the competition is higher, and basically, yeah, just the level of competition is much higher. And the, and some of those people work, and some of them don't. Um, a lot of pro mountain bikers they don't get paid a salary to race because it's such a, a grassroots type sport. It's it's similar to running where you're not making big money as a as a pro athlete but you're there cuz you love it. So that enables you to compete around the world against other professionals. So there's just different categories and then if you're at, if you're a pro it allows you to race at different events. So like you can compete for a national or a world championship as a pro. Um, you can go to the Olympics as a pro although they only have one um distance in the olympics so it'd be like in running only having a 10k distance in the olympics and that's it and that's kind of where we're at with mountain biking there's only one distance
0: and what distance is that
1: uh it's cross-country distance so that's typical a cross-country race is typically an hour to an hour and a half so it's a shorter shorter event so most of my events are like five to eight hours
0: and do you get a break in between these five to eight hours
1: nope (laughs) you just there's a yeah there's a start line so you show up there's a start line and they say go and then there's usually some aid stations where you can stop if you need to, but the goal is not to stop because you're not going to win the race if you're stopping a lot. So you go um, for the, the duration of the race, whether it's 50 miles or 100 miles, and you go until you get to the finish line. Wow.
0: So, and you've done this, you, you've won the champion for doing this for 24 hours? Yeah. Do you sleep in between there? Do you get to stop nope. then? No. No. Nope. Just straight.
1: Yeah, straight. I mean, you have to stop to change the batteries on your lights and to grab some food really quick or to go to the bathroom. But I was stopped a total of seven minutes uh, during the 24-hour world championship. (laughs) And it's tight competition. I mean, for the first like eight hours or or nine hours, people were only a couple minutes behind me. And it really wasn't until the nighttime when I was able to really get, get a big lead on people.
0: Um, okay, so you're doing this for you've done this for twenty-four hours. That's crazy. Do you get a chance to eat? Walk me through this. I've talked to some ultra marathon runners and they have some crazy types of stories and it's you know super interesting to me. Do you get a chance to stop and eat? Give us some details of what this like what it's like to train for so long or, or being in this ultra distance.
1: Yeah, it's really actually quite similar to ultra running, except ultra runners they get pacers and they, they get a little bit more support than you do on the mountain bike. But in some ways, ultra running is like way harder on your body. Yeah. So for 24 hour racing, it's it's really similar to ultra running racing, except that we don't get pacers or support on course. So basically what happens is you start and you do your best not to stop as much as possible. And you have to manage your nutrition in a way where like if you eat too much, you're going to get sick. So you don't eat as much as you would think, and you stop as little as possible. So I stopped for seven minutes, and when I, when I did stop, um, so seven minutes was like, stop for like 30 seconds or a minute or, or whatever, like over the course of the race. And you just kind of have your nutrition planned out in advance. So I actually ate Pop-Tarts through the night. Um, that seemed to be really helpful. And I never eat Pop-Tarts, so that was a really weird thing. And miso soup was another really helpful thing that I ate during the race.
0: So if you're not used to eating Pop-Tarts, where did you get the idea of, I'm going to have Pop-Tarts during this 24-hour marathon?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I was little, I wasn't allowed to eat Pop-Tarts because they're this bad processed food. Um, So I was like, yes, I'm going to eat this Pop-Tarts. and you know, I thought it was going to be good because it had, it was fortified and it, it was easy to digest and it was appetizing. So you don't really feel like eating a lot whenever you're doing these races. So picking something that sounds good and that you know you're going to hold down. I had tried Pop Tarts in training, so I made sure that they worked.
0: <laughs> and sorry, what was the other one? Oh, miso soup. How did you eat miso soup? Do you have some of the? Heated it up you had it
1: like yeah you had it in like a little dixie cup on your because you have a pit that you come through and i just like picked up a little cup and like would just shoot it and then keep going because it has sodium it has a little bit of like tofu for protein and good probiotics so it's it's really comforting on the stomach whenever you have miso soup
0: so tell me about these pit stops that you have do you set that up in advance or did was someone set that up for you
1: Uh, It's set up for you. So with most of my races, you don't go around in circles. Like it's a point to point, but with 24 hour racing, it's like laps that you do. So it's like an hour to an hour and a half lap. So you come through your pit every hour to hour and a half and you can choose to stop or you can choose not to.
0: Oh, okay. So did you say you're going, you're, this is a lap, you're going laps around circles?
1: Yeah. So for 24 hours you do like 18 laps or something like that, which is really not my favorite. Um, I love like the big adventurous point to point, but for 24 hour racing, I think a 24 hour race should actually have no laps. And I I've done another race that started at like midnight in Colorado and went through like the high mountains of Colorado and it was 135 miles and it takes anywhere from like 14 to 20 hours to do. And it's one huge loop. And that was awesome and really hard.
0: Wow. Well, tell me about is that is that your favorite race? Tell me, give me a, a quick story of one of your favorite races that you accomplished.
1: Uh, my favorite races have been the hardest, so I'd say one of my favorite races is called the Brazil Ride. It's a seven-day mountain bike race across one of the the areas in Brazil, and it's in the, one of the more poor and rural areas of Brazil. And I, I typically love like the the less developed parts of the world because it's really authentic and. When you go through these villages, like you're racing, you'll be in the in the forest or the desert or wherever, and you pop out and you go through these villages, and there's all these kids standing out there, and they have nothing, and they're so happy. Like It's just a great reminder of the simplicity of life and how you don't need all these extra things to be happy. It comes from within us and from our community, and that race in particular, it was also very physically demanding. It was like five to eight hours for seven days straight of racing, and it was really hot. So I love the challenge of overcoming that because racing is hard. Like you, you're really pushing your body and your mind and there's times you want to give up and you keep going and it's a great metaphor for life. So simplicity and the, the feeling of being able to overcome anything. And it really, that race amplified all of those things.
0: Does it make it easier when there's people, are there are these kids like standing on the side and cheering you on or are they just kind of going about their day-to-day activities and you're riding through their village?
1: <laughs> uh, it kind of depends. Like some places they're like, like I did the first and only mountain bike race across Haiti And those kids kind of like they looked at you because they probably had never seen a mountain biker or more or less like a white girl on a bike, you know. (laughs) And they saw you. And and then when they like take wind of you, they start running, trying to run alongside you and like yelling and screaming because kids don't have any barriers that we have as adults. And they're just there to say hi. And so it really depends. But I I love both. Like I love being able to interact with the kids.
0: So you mentioned there's – a race that's for Olympians, I suppose, would that be something that you're striving for?
1: No, I started as, so that's called cross country racing, which is typically like an hour to an hour and a half. And I did cross country races for about six years in my, the beginning of my career, but it just wasn't very inspiring for me. Um, because you travel to all these places and then you'd ride like short laps around in circles for like an hour to an hour and a half. And then you don't get to see anything because you're trying to save your legs. So like you could be in this cool village in Europe, but you can't really walk around or do anything. And I love the adventure side of mountain bike racing. And I really love the, the deep dark mental places that you have to go and that you have to come out of as an endurance athlete. So I really gravitated towards endurance and I'm also more naturally suited, um, for these longer races the effort is different, but it depends who you ask. Like, You're not going as, as intense, but you have to go almost as intense for a much longer period.
0: Sometimes a show once a week or even twice a week just isn't enough. So if you want more content, if you want to know more about what we're doing at True Form Life, you can find us on Facebook. We're on there posting at least twice a day in the morning and the evening. That's at Facebook.com slash True Form Life on Instagram. That's kind of my favorite platform. I like to post my food pictures and some of the activities that I do, maybe hiking or whatever that may be. And that's just at Drew Tadia on Instagram and then Twitter as well. That's at True Form Life. So we're 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 highly active. We'd love to connect with you. So find us on your social media platform and let us know how you're enjoying our show. Is there something that you're striving for now or is it really just the experience of traveling the world, finding new races, competing against different people?
1: Yeah, so right now it was hard because after I won um, the world championship, I was like, well, now what am I supposed to do in my career? Like I've I've raced all over the world. I've won this, this world championship title, but... My goal is just to always continue to evolve and be the best version I can of myself. And I do that by doing new races. So some goals I have, I have a a five-day race in Pennsylvania in a couple weeks. And then the big goal of the year is a race in Columbia. Um, I've never been to Columbia before, and it's a team race. So you race with another male or female, and you have to ride ride and race together the whole race. And there's some strategy involved behind that.
0: Oh, you guys are together the whole time, so it's not like a, a tag team or a relay kind of thing?
1: Nope. So, and I, I mean, if you race, when you race with another female, you try to pick somebody who's around the same ability as you. But I did one and I did a race in New Zealand in February with a male teammate. And if you're racing with a male, you pick the strongest male you can find because their job is to carry your water and like extra weight. And then if he has any more gas, put his hand on your back and push you on some of the hills because basically you're as strong as your weakest link when you're racing as a team and it's up to the stronger rider to take care of the weaker rider um and obviously like everybody wants to be as strong as they can for these things too
0: so what's your training like during the off season or is there an off season
1: uh it depends who you are i race probably 8 to 9 months a year so i don't take a crazy off season I, my off season's usually like 2 weeks off the bike um but two normally weeks? the off- yeah 2 weeks yeah
0: wow Okay.
1: Well, you get deconditioned so quickly if you stop stop doing any type of endurance sports. So like a lot of people will ski in the winter or do running, but a lot of people don't quit the bike completely because you just lose so much coordination and fitness doing that. Um, And I love going to warm places in the winter. So I go to like Chile or Australia or New Zealand or wherever in the winter time to do a few races to keep me motivated because in the winter, um, I live in Kelowna, BC, and it's hard to ride outside. So you can go fat biking, which is like, looks like a monster truck and you can ride on snow. You ride indoors on a trainer. So that's really hard because mentally you have to be stationary on your bike. And typically you're doing really structured workout.
0: Is this something that you're doing? I mean, are you trying different things like different, like not cr- like cross training types of things? Like, are you in the gym, for example, or are you running or is it really just a whole lot of bike work?
1: It depends how early in the season I start racing. Like this year, my first race was in January. Um, there's some winters where I'll do cross country skiing or running with biking. Uh, I don't typically go to the gym because I, I put on muscle really quickly. And if I use weights, I'm going to get unwanted, unwanted muscle. Cause you got to cart that uphill too. So I do mostly like body weight stuff, like pushups, um, different types of arm workouts, different types of core workouts and yoga. But The bike is always the main focus of what I do.
0: And then, what about nutrition? What does nutrition look like? Is that something that you focus on, or is that? Yeah, I'm very
1: focused on nutrition, like cyclists especially, because it's all about strength to weight ratio. And mountain biking, it's also technical ability. But the heavier you are, the harder—that's more weight you have to carry uphill. So people can get crazy neurotic about their weight. But most of the time, cyclists are, are very focused on their diet and what they eat because you want to maintain an optimal weight. Because if you get a little bit heavier, even by a pound or two, you could lose a race because of that. So I eat a, a I eat a plant-based diet, and I focus. I, every day, I'm very focused on what I'm eating and what I'm putting in my body. And there's times where I let myself like have extra cookies or beer or whatever. And then, then I have to end up losing the weight that I gained. So it's always like a balancing act and you need to, you need to enjoy life, but you also need to be focused when your, your race is on the horizon.
0: So when you're training for a particular competition or race, is that different than when you're in between races, for example, nutrition wise?
1: Um, I'd say that leading up a month, leading up to a race, I eat a much stricter diet. I, I cut out all the, the excess things, but in between races, yeah, I like to get a little bit more lax. Like I love, I love cookies <laughs> and what kind of cookies, chocolate chip cookies. So good. <laughs> I can't have them in the house because I'll just, I'll, well, first I'll eat like a lot of the dough while I'm making the cookies and then I'll just eat like a ton of them. And yeah, I love beer and wine, so I, I have to I have to keep an eye on that.
0: <laughs> so about a month before, you try to cut that out completely, or you still have a couple times a week? Just like
1: well, yeah, like once once or twice a week. Um, for, it depends on who you are. Like I I'm not really very good at being a robot, so I need to allow myself to have a little bit of moderation. But but it's pretty strict.
0: So when you say plant based diet, give us a, a walk through of a day that you would of food that you would consume.
1: Yeah, so a plant-based diet, for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's no meat, no dairy, no eggs. And I got faster. I changed my diet four years ago and I got dramatically faster um, when I changed it. So my day typically looks like I eat oatmeal, like steel cut oats for breakfast with hemp hearts, maple syrup, and ground flax. And ground flax is like magical. You should Google it um, and check out all these amazing benefits it has for your body, um, including lowering blood pressure. It's, it's great. And then I usually eat like A couple bowls during the day so like a rice or quinoa with a a type of legume or bean with a bunch of vegetables and I like sprouted sprouted uh multi-green bread with almond butter and honey that's usually something I'll eat um I like making sweet potato fries like you you just cut them up and bake them in the oven um and green smoothies are also a part of my day
0: nice What, what do you put in your green smoothies
1: they're very uh well when I first started making them I was trying to cut out on like the amount of like fruit and sugar in it so I I would give my husband some and I'd be like just to let you know this tastes really healthy (laughs) (laughs) so typically it's a mango like I'll do like a cup of mango four cups of greens um two teaspoons of spirulina uh some amla powder which is one of the highest antioxidants out there it's an Indian berry and a cup of soy milk a cup of water uh raw ginger raw turmeric and one medjool date and usually that's about it
0: you put the turmeric uh, ginger in there for anti-inflammatory properties training uh, reasons
1: yep definitely yeah turmeric for like i don't take i hardly ever take any type of ibuprofen or medicine like that because a plant-based diet in general is very anti-inflammatory and the turmeric is also an extra bonus and the ginger i I find is just really good for immunity because being sick really sets you back
0: (laughs) i bet Tell me about what the business end is like. You said you you manage yourself. You have to go and find these races yourself. Do you have to go find sponsors for yourself to support the financial end of it?
1: Yeah, definitely. So previously, I was riding for a team, and I was also working a full-time job. Um, I was a national sales and marketing manager of a brand in the United States in the bike industry. And there was no more room for growth in my career. Um Uh, at that job and also on my team there was just there's no more nowhere to go so I decided that I was going to quit my job and quit my team because they were kind of going hand in hand with one another the the company I work for owned the team I rode for so I couldn't ride for another team and work for this brand so I had to make a really big call and it was a huge risk but sponsors have been coming to me and wanting to work with me because I work really hard at building community and I work really hard on social media and all my other outlets for building content and community. So I wrote all my own proposals to all the brands that I wanted to work with. And fortunately, most of them wanted to work with me as well. And it was, it was a skill. It's a skill like writing proposals and negotiating. That's something I would never done before. And this is my third year doing it and I'm still learning as I go. So you have to figure out how much money to ask for. What your value is, and how to renegotiate every year. And uh, in the past, like the business model was based on you win, and then you get paid because you're winning. But now, in the last, I'd say five to ten years, because of the way that we do social media, the way that we we consume media, we it's very different than ten years ago. A lot of sponsorships are based on how are you going to sell product. It, it's not it's not only about winning. Like you need to be doing well to build credibility, so people want to buy what you're using. But how are you? How are you um, authentically and not forcefully selling a product? How are you showcasing it? And it's creating a story around a brand instead of a commercial. So that's the distinction. And being good at that is 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 a lot of work, and you have to always be evolving. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. It's it's really fun. Like I love marketing. I love connecting with people. Um, I do almost all my own photography of myself on my bike. So I, I love the creative aspect of all that.
0: I just want to ask you about your, your husband, your family life. It's got to be a bit challenging to balance work. And I suppose pleasure is a bit of your work because you love what you do, but a uh, family life as well. What's that like to have that support or, Maybe I'd imagine there's challenges around that as well.
1: It's, it's actually really good. Like my husband and I met at a mountain bike race. He's not a pro mountain biker, but that's what he loves to do with his spare time is mountain biking. So he actually goes with me to several of the races that I go to and he'll race as well. Like we don't race as a team, but we're both there sharing the experience together around the world. And he's a financial advisor for Latitude Financial in Kelowna. And he runs the firm himself, so when he's home, he's working really hard. And then when he goes away for racing or or whatever, then he's able to play. But we both work really hard at home. Um, the key to I think the key to succeeding in anything is is not talent; it's hard work. And our daily life when we're not traveling, we work I'd say 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, for me, that includes my training, but it doesn't feel like work if you love what you're doing. So there's not a lot of like chill time, I would say, because we are always on the go, but we're both very supportive of one another. And I think communication, whenever you both are working really hard towards something, um, communication is so key.
0: Compete against
1: <laughs>
0: yes. compete against each other because I would have a, <laughs> I would think like if you two are gonna go to one race, it'd be like, ah, uh, you know?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well we're both like highly competitive people, But I, like, I wish he was here because then he could uh, laugh about this too, but I'm a lot faster than him, so (laughs) it's not really a competition. (laughs) (laughs) However, you know, for training rides and stuff, like, you know, he's usually working harder than I am, and then on the downhill, we're pretty evenly matched. Some downhills, I'm better than him. Some downhills, he's a little bit better than me, so... Um, he's a great training partner, but at races, yeah, we, there's not really a, a competition there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's okay with that. I guess he accepts he, it because yeah, he loves he, you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah, he, he, know, he'll, he'll tell, he'd be the first to tell you he's cause people ask us that question all the time, but there's always some, uh, some smack talk going on because why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about, you talked about some pictures that you do for yourself when you're riding? Is there any kind of videos we can watch you? Is there pictures we could find? And then, of course, your social media handles and websites.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a YouTube channel. Um, I'm working on getting more content up there. It's Sonya Looney MTB. And I'm very active on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So it's at Looney Sonya on Instagram. And Facebook is Facebook.com slash Looney Sonia. And on Twitter, it's at Sonia Looney. So basically, if you just Google my name, my website will come up and all of those social media channels will come up as well. But I, yeah, I, I'm very active on all of them. And if you guys reach out to me, I'll definitely be be responding. I, I manage all my own social media profiles and I respond to every comment, question and email that I get.
0: That's fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing this your story with us. Super cool. I love what you're doing and I wish you all the best with everything that you have going on
1: yeah thanks and if anybody's interested in mountain biking um reach out to me and getting kids into mountain biking is super important and it's it's really easy these days to get your kids involved in in a sport like mountain biking
0: all right that's gonna wrap things up for this edition of exploring mind and body as always thank you so much for being here thank you for sticking around till the end that was a great story so much cool information i love what Sonny's doing so uh, i want to thank her for coming on as well if you want more details as to what we have going on, head over to trueformlife.com. We have a free 10-day fitness challenge. Get a brand new workout each day. No equipment required. 20 minutes or less. Get you in, get out, and on with your day. We also have a free kombucha workshop, two-part video if you want to get into fermented foods at trueformlife. All these past shows are going up on exploringmindandbody.com. And don't forget about our free app. You can download our app on any Apple device so you never miss a show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave you with that. Once again, thanks for being with us. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.